Praise the Lord. So thankful that the youth praise team and the adult praise team can come together like this. Thankful for the ministry of our uh, our youth. It's a reminder to pray for them as they continue to grow in their faith, share in their faith with others as we do as well as adults. I think this is my favorite Palm Sunday ever. I mean, you know, I was singing in the uh, in the conference room before with the praise team, and they didn't ask me to join them. Um, but I'm I'm going to be on the in the praise team in heaven. And uh, but something I did a long time ago that is still paying off is um, I'm not a you know I I was getting a song ready that someday I was going to sing with my guitar, you know, to to you and. And when I when I really got it, I was about ready to present myself to to Bill Massey at that time. Um, William, my son, who was playing guitar over here, said, "Dad," and I and I thought I had just nailed it. He said, "Dad, that is almost campfire ready," <laughs> and that that was as high as it gets for me. But I did teach him the, for his first three chords. Okay, I did that, and that is paying off. Good. Not only is he praising the Lord with it, but Guitar players get the girls, and he's got the girl. And then their girls, one was singing up here this morning, the other singing right there on her mom's lap. Um, not able to sing yet, but she's starting to smile and laugh. Um, I just praise God this morning. It's a great, great day. And um, you know what? It's also, it's also a sacrifice. Um, when we praise the Lord, we are sacrificing. Because um, it's not easy to praise him because things aren't always the way we want them to be sometimes the way we think they ought to be but we still praise him because he's still worthy he has still done what he's done he's still going to do what he's going to do he's still faithful to his promises and we praise him and so we bring as the the psalmist says we bring the sac or the, the writer of hebrews says we bring the sacrifice of praise on this Palm Sunday. And I'd like you to turn to Mark chapter 11. We're, we're taking a, a week off from, uh, from Mark. Um, and thank you, Mark Lilge, for leading us in Mark last week in my absence. We really appreciate your, your handling of the word. But Mark chapter 11 this morning is Mark's um, rendition of the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. Mark chapter 11. As they approached Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples, and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, again, Mount of Olives overlooking the city of Jerusalem, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him, the Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered, As Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. 
those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Praise God that we have this uh, picture in our minds through this word of what Jesus did as he came into the city. And this began a very, very important week in the life of Jesus in our lives, in the lives of everybody who knows him, everyone who believes in him. You know, one-third of everything written about Jesus in the Gospels, one-third of it covers the, the last 50 days of his life. A third of what we know of him and of what he taught took place the last week of his life and then the 40 days before he ascended to the Father after his resurrection. So this is the beginning of that week that, is, that so much is written about. Our knowledge of him comes from what the apostles and their friends wrote about him most of which taking place from this moment on. And one of the things that I want us to look at this morning, uh, very briefly before we share together in the Lord's Supper, which also took place during that last week of his life, is one of the parables that he told. He told many during this last week of his life. And so turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. The teaching ministry of Jesus was in full bloom during this last week. And as he taught in many parables before this last week, he continues in that tradition. And remember, these parables were written, or were, were given by Jesus, then written down for us, not to help us understand it better. Remember that. Jesus spoke in parables Because the children of Israel at that time when he was living in this world, they were under God's judgment because of their rejection of God's plan and of God's son. And that's why he spoke in parables to them. Now, some people had ears to hear. Some people listened intently to him. Some people dug in and then his disciples also, and he explained it to them. But these parables were given as judgment, and the, the content of many of the, of the parables is also of judgment. Wake-up calls. And so here is a wake-up call for us, as Jesus shared it, uh, not only with his disciples, but also others who were, who were listening that day. Verse tw- chapter Matthew 22, verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Sounds kind of like the Old Testament prophets telling the children of Israel to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention. Sounds like those Pharisees who said, tell your disciples to quit praising you. But they paid no attention and went off, 
one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners, invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, And threw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. That's Jesus. We don't don't hear about that Jesus very often. Jesus is serious. He came into this world as the most amazing, loving gesture that's ever been given. The perfect Son of God. Coming into this world as announced by the prophets, and even those prophets were mistreated and killed. But he comes into this world as announced by the prophets, as as is written in his word. And still, they won't receive him. Oh, some did. And John tells us about those in, in John 1.12. In 1.11 he says he came into his own, but his own did not receive him. But to those who received him, because some did, those who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Some of them raised their palm branches that day. Some of them laid their cloaks out. Some of them worshipped him and continued to worship him. And in some cases gave their lives worshipping him. They really gave the sacrifice of praise. But Jesus is letting Jerusalem know now with this parable. It's time to listen. Because if you don't, judgment is coming. That's serious. That's true. That's not a myth. Judgment is coming on anyone who rejects Jesus Christ on anyone who rejects this perfect Son of God that came according to the plan of God, out of the love of God, by the mercy of God, to save all of us, good and bad. Did you catch that phrase in his parable? I hope that encouraged you. And I hope you realize that you're one of the bad. We all are. Because all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus knew that that's why he came. There was one guy, however, that thought he was good enough on his own. It's an amazing picture, isn't it? How'd you get in here? You're not wearing the clothes. You're not wearing the wedding clothes. There must have been some wedding clothes at the entrance with a dressing room for the people that were dirty coming into the banquet to put on some good stuff. And one guy said, I don't need that. I'll come in on my own. I'll do it my way. Wrong. Wrong. 
so many people fit that guy's story. They think, there's, they think there's some other way to God. They think there's some other way that they can spend eternity with him. Or, or at least not be sent to hell, just maybe be left alone for eternity. They, they've got all kinds of different ways of, of dreaming up what might happen after they die. But no matter what they dream up, the same thing is true. Anyone without Jesus' wedding clothes is not going to spend eternity with him. They're not going to be forgiven of their sins, and they're not going to have an eternity in the glory of God. They're going to be separated from him. He described it in the parable, and again, remember, this is a parable. This is a story making a point. But he 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 paints a picture of a terrible place where that man was bound and sent. Because he was going to do it his own way. And there's only one way. God's way. All of scripture teaches God's way. Even the law, even the Old Testament law, don't, don't misunderstand that. People were never saved by following the law. Never. Because they couldn't do it well enough. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans 2 and 3, The law was given to show us our sinfulness. That's that's what it was doing in the Old Testament. That's what it does today. The Old Testament law written in the Bible, the law written on all of our hearts, it all points the same direction. It points us to our need for a Savior. Because none of us can do it. Even when Jesus summarized in his ministry, and we're going to come to that in the next couple of weeks, even when Jesus summarized... In his ministry, the most important laws. He broke it, he basically broke it down into two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself. If that was all he gave us, who passed that test? Uh, Nobody. If it was just two, everybody failed. And so He executes the plan, and he is executed in the process. That's why we're going to share in the Lord's Supper here in just a few minutes. Because it's only Jesus' clothes that gets us in. He's the only way to know the Father. He's the only way to be forgiven of our sins. No good works, no good things, no singing songs, no preaching sermons, no praying prayers, no memorizing scripture, no doing good deeds. None of that stuff gets us into heaven. None of that stuff gets us forgiven. Only Jesus' wedding clothes, which is the gospel, which is the good news, that everybody who believes in him, like those people that were waving palm branches and and singing praise to him, those believers... They were forgiven because, like John said, they believed in his name. That just, for some people, that just seems too simple. That doesn't seem right. But that's it. Those are the clothes. That's how we get into the banquet. That's how we spend eternity with him. That's how our sins are forgiven. That's how this life can make sense for all of us. Oh, it's hard. But in the gospel, 
Once we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, once we begin to understand and have our minds transformed by his word, we start to understand how he uses every day of our lives. The, the hard, the great, the joyful, the sorrowful, all of it, how he uses all of it to bring him the glory that he deserves and to prepare us for what he has in store for us for eternity. And so we say as we sing, Yes, I will. I, I will, I'll take his clothes. I'll, I'll be willing to give, and this is a great shirt, I have to admit, but I'm, I'm, willing, I'm willing to give up my efforts. I, I'm willing to, to say, no, I can't do it. I'm willing to humble myself. You're willing to humble yourself, say, you can't do it. Jesus, I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting that you will do what your word says you will do. As you did in every case, as it was written, you will do everything that's still yet to come. And that includes bringing me into your glory. And so we can say that with confidence. And that's what we do as we celebrate. And guys, you can get ready with the, uh, with the bread. As the, as the men are about ready to pass out the bread of the Lord's Supper, this doesn't save anybody. I want you to understand that. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, If you've received him, this bread that we're about ready to hold in our hands and then eat together, so hold it until we all do it together, this bread that you're going to hold in your hands is a reminder of what happened to Jesus on the cross and what happened before he got there as they were whipping him with those whips as they were jamming that crown of thorns on his head. Holding this bread is going to be a reminder for us that Jesus' body was broken for us. Not because of sins he had committed. Remember that. When you see that cross, remember that was for you, for me, because we need to be forgiven. As we hold this bread, this is a reminder. This doesn't save us. This is a reminder of what Jesus did for us. Take the time while you're holding the bread as as the music's playing. Take some time. And remember what Jesus has done for you. Maybe, maybe, maybe take a moment and confess some sins if you haven't. But humble your, yourself before him as you hold that bread, and then we'll eat of it together. Men, you can go ahead and pass out the bread.
This bread is a reminder of the judgment of God. God is serious about our rebellion against him. The wages of sin, he says in his word, is death. And holding this bread reminds us of the broken body of Jesus, which was broken because of the judgment of God. Sin pays its wage, death. And the only way we escape that death is through Jesus, what he did for us. And so he took upon himself the judgment of God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, he said. As all the sin of the world, including ours, fell on him. And for that moment, we don't understand how, and with the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, we don't understand how, how he could be separated from, from the rest of God in, in that moment. We don't get it, we don't understand it. But he said, as the sin was on him, why have you forsaken me? Because he took our sins. He took our judgment. And so as we eat this bread today, and we'll take it just as I, after I pray, as we eat this bread today, we remember our Savior took our judgment. Praise his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for putting the plan together to save sinful people like us. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for allowing your body to be broken for us. As we eat of this bread, we say thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's eat together of the bread. Just as we held the bread, now let's hold the cup and remember his shed blood for us. And then we'll drink of it together as well. As we hold this cup, we remember 
Jesus' blood was shed for us. The Old Testament is full of animal sacrifices. And all of those sacrifices pointed to one thing. The blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. When John the Baptist, his cousin, saw him coming down the road to be baptized, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so this cup reminds us of the blood of only Jesus. No other sacrifice can do. Not of animals. They were all pictures pointing to Jesus. Not of martyrs, not of people giving their lives for their country or for their families. One person's blood brings the forgiveness of sins. One person's blood unites us with God, giving us the hope and promise of eternal life. And that is the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we remember that blood when we drink of this cup. Remember, drinking this cup does not save us, does not forgive us of our sins. It reminds us of whose blood does forgive us of our sins. And that is the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's pray and then drink of the cup together. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. That he was willing to have his hands and feet and side and head pierced for us. We're so thankful. We don't deserve it. We can't repay you. But we remember what you've done for us. And we believe in the name of Jesus. Yeshua, the salvation of the Lord. We believe that Jesus is the Savior. And we drink this cup to remember what he did for us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's drink of the cup together. There will be a basket passed for you to drop your cup in so you don't have to hand them off to anybody else. But as, um, as, we, as we turn the cups in, if the praise team that's going to lead us in our final song could come, we're going to have one more song of praise this morning. And as we sing it, we want to commit ourselves commit ourselves to being the men and women that God saved us to be, to live our lives for his glory, glorying in the fact that we are wearing his clothes, not our own, that we're saved by what he has done for us. And, and if you've just recently put your trust in Jesus and haven't let anybody know that yet, we'd invite you to come down as we sing. I'll be here to, to receive you, to, to welcome you into the family of God, to encourage you in your new faith to give you some instruction in, in growing in your faith maybe you're already a believer in christ and you want to join the fellowship here of midway community church come down and let us know that as well so that i can introduce you to the rest of the body and welcome you here to, to midway community church whatever the case let's stand together and sing this song of worthy praise to our savior <laughs>